Thank you for visiting New Song Community Church on the web at newsongpdx.com. We pray that you will be blessed by listening to the message today. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the word every Sunday at 10 a.m. We are located on the corner of Russell Street at 2511 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard in Portland, Oregon. All right, let's all stand together and give Jesus a big hand. Come on. He did it all. I don't know whether it's good or not to say that I'm enjoying what God's telling us about spiritual hunger. That's not mean I'm a great preacher. It means that I'm enjoying that it's adjusting the way I handle things. That's good. So uh, John chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 is kind of be the basis that we're going to talk about today. And I believe God's going to speak to all of us through what the word says. It talks about the bread that actually came down from heaven. We're going to pick it up at verse 25. And when he, they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34 together. And they said to him, Lord, give us always. Let's pray. Father, today we want a heavenly impartation of the bread of life. Lord, something that we just won't just consume and, and forget about, but Lord, that will give us the strength that we need to, to live a life that will be pleasing to you, but also that we, we'd have a, an insatiable appetite to participate and to receive the bread of life on a regular basis. And Lord, help us today that we'll learn another principle that relates to the very fact of really ministering to hunger pains. And sometimes, Lord, we don't really recognize them or we try to bypass them. But today, let the Holy Spirit just come to us in a very special way and impart to us grace and mercy and the ability to receive strength from you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. You know the drill. Find somebody, look at them, tell them this. Jesus wants to give you, to give you bread, bread so you'll never hunger again. Praise God. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever had a meal before that after you ate, you wonder, did I eat? <laughs> ever have, have a, a, a meal that was like eating air pudding? You know, there was one thing. That, I remember one particular thing when I was a kid. They had this thing called angel food cake. 
angel food cake was the epitome of nothing. It's like you just, did I have cake? Give me some good old-fashioned mama's pound cake with a pound of butter in it and a pound of sugar in it. Oh, honey, we had some cake. <laughs> now, enough of my commercial. We'll, we'll go on to this. Okay. Developing and maintaining hunger for spiritual things seems to be the greatest challenge for most believers. Technology has so affected us that, uh, that we expect immediate fulfillment from the things we desire and the idea of having to wait would seem to move us far away from the things that only come through Jesus. Well, the deal with that is the food of the, of the believer is that which will bring fulfillment and everlasting life. And Jesus demonstrated his ability to produce a meal from a, for a hungry multitude from a little boy's lunch. The connection between our physical and spiritual hunger can only be satisfied by our total dependence on, upon the Lord as he graciously supplies all of our needs. Now, having said all that, here's a couple of questions that we're going to deal and wrangle with today. What are the signs that you have experienced personally that would denote that you are spiritually hungry? You say, well, I don't, really don't know. Um, I'll tell you one thing that it is not. If you feel guilty for not reading the word, that is not spiritual hunger. You know what it is? Disobedience. What? It's disobedience. You're saying, well, wait a minute, hold on. We, we allot our time for the things that are important to us. Can I get an amen? amen? And if it's important to you, you will get it done. Some of you, you know, it's, it's you don't eat to live, or you don't live to eat, you eat to live, or whatever, how, how the thing works around. But you're not going to miss a meal. Mm-mm. Because you're mean as Joe Green by 11 o'clock in the morning if you didn't have breakfast, okay? Let me go on to the second one because I don't have time to wrangle with you, Okay. Do you believe, uh, 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 what you believe, uh, what do you believe are the danger signals of spiritual starvation? I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to change your belief system. One of the, the telltale signs of spiritual starvation is when you no longer desire or you find reasons not to go to church. Ooh, I know this is going to get some folks and roast them good. Other things that come up that says, you know, I would go to church today, but. And, and the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but in encouraging each other all the more as you see the days drawing near. In other words, you will not always be able to go to church like you're going now. Because there are more distractions and more reasons not to go to church than there are to go to church. Somebody say amen because it's the truth. And I don't, I don't you know. You can try to push the blame thing at folks, but I'm not going to do that. But somehow we've allowed our culture to influence the ways that, that we wouldn't do before. Now, I remember they used to have blue laws. So you couldn't do certain things on Sunday. You couldn't buy meat on Sunday and different type of things. But honey, you can do anything you want to do on Sunday. They have, they have, they have more basketball and what you call it games on Sundays, Saturdays, and Sundays than they've ever had in the history of mankind. Because they don't care about you, nothing about you going to church. They'll find ways to keep you from going. I'm not going to work on that too long. It will ruin everything else. What are the third, number, what are the things that you personally do to prevent suffering from spiritual dryness? Because that's on you. Your life is formed around the things that you designate as being important. I'm just going to leave it at that. 
Because the next few verses that we'll talk about will help us to establish that. Jesus showed us how to overcome the temptation to prove ourselves. And that's one of the things that the devil wants us to do. We're going back to Matthew so we can finish up when Jesus was in the wilderness, came out of the wilderness. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. This is before that, excuse me. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly heard a voice come, uh, came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, I am in whom I am well pleased. Hmm. If you're searching for affirmation, the Spirit of God will affirm you in a way where his Spirit will never leave you and give you the telltale signs of you really understanding the power of the Holy Spirit working on your life. But I want to let you see this, this, this bit of affirmation came to Jesus before the devil got to him after the wilderness. If you feel the least bit shaken in your relationship with Jesus today, I want to let you know, the thing about it is that's the devil's job to try to dismantle your faith in God. Amen. And things will come along. Well, that being the case... The Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth of your identity in Christ. And now we'll go into Luke chapter, nine verses, uh, excuse, Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. This is the last little part from the wilderness. And he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle in the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. Next verse, please. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to, to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. What does that mean? This is the last of the three temptations that Jesus experienced after he came out of the wilderness. And the devil says, I'm going to give him the last punch. And this is the one that probably most of us will struggle with the most. We have this thing within ourselves to try to prove ourselves who we are. And Jesus already told you who you were. Remember, just it was probably a few days before that, before he went into the wilderness, he gets a sign as he's being baptized. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want to tell you right now that once you have the mark of Jesus on your life and the Holy Spirit is upon you, you belong to Jesus from that point on. Amen. Come on, you might as well apply. You belong to him. But the devil's job is to try to talk you out of it. See what you just did? See how you just thought? And you go try to be some kind of Christian. What kind of Christian are you? I'm a Christian that's been bought by the blood of the Lamb, that's been forgiven by Jesus. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I belong to him. I won't ask parents to vote on any of you have any rebellious children. Because they might be here watching. But that's still your baby. The greatest hunger for us all is to discover our true identity in Christ. And we should desire to know Jesus in a way that we feel, <coughs> we feel and know that his presence is with us at all times. And I want to tell you that one of the masking things that happens with the enemy is he'll try, because you committed a sin, you said a bad word, you did something inappropriate as you were driving in your car. I won't even give you any ideas because you already know what I'm talking about. And from that point on, you're all of a sudden this cloud hangs over you and says, and you supposed to be some kind of Christian you are. Seriously? Really? And you think God's going to put up with that kind of behavior? Let me help you with that. Our flesh will seek 
worldly identity and gratification <clears throat> affirmation by our behavior that we belong to Jesus. It's not an excuse for you to live, live in a flamboyant way against God. God still loves you. I hope that really permeates over some people here today because this is going to change your life. Well, Jesus knew that uh, who he was because his father had affirmed him at his baptism. Our greatest hunger is to be known and loved by the father. Now, I can't go into a whole lot of detail, but I know there are a number of people here that suffered from father wounds as they grew up. I'm not here to tell you my story. My mom and dad were married for 50 years. But unfortunately, my dad made a decision that even though he was married to my mom, he had, and when I say he had very little to do with his kids, on purpose, he did not do anything with us. He never went to any of our graduations. He never went to any of our weddings. He would never eat dinner with us. He ate, in, ate dinner by himself in another place. He never came to the dinner table. But they stayed married for 50 years. And that model to me says, and you, you have to wonder, what is wrong with me? And if you have an experience that keeps you from knowing the Father because of what a Father did to you and you're holding that against God, I want to let you know God is not like that. I love, I love my dad. He finally came. And you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be how God's grace works? On the 49th year of their marriage, he gives his life to, to Jesus watching a televangelist <laughs> who wasn't my favorite. Had all kind of bad things, but he, and then about a year and a half later, he dies. And I'm thinking, we went through 48 and a half years of nonsense. God knows that he can t take you through whatever you're going through. We have been righteously affirmed in Jesus when, he, when we surrender our lives to him. But what about this? He will satisfy our hunger for the Lord as we spend time with him throughout the day. I want to show you in a very simple way of how to spend time with Jesus without, without having to oh, I just got to find a place and get down on my knees and throw up my hands and get up my butt. Do you know how you can spend time with Jesus? Three words. Thank you, Jesus. What? But that doesn't, no, no. When it's from a heart of thanksgiving, when you know that every good and perfect gift comes from God, if you can just utter out those words, thank you, Jesus, you've had fellowship with Jesus. Because you've acknowledged it's from him. So, oh, man, I feel so much better. I'm not going to try to evaluate how you spend your time, but, I, but at least you can tell him thank you. And I don't mean thank you just because I got a parking space, okay? Get, go a little deeper. Help us, Lord. Well... We must learn to ward off the desire of the flesh that we would seek for identity through the works of the flesh. Uh, Hebrews 12, 17. For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit a blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently, diligently with tears. Some of you may not know what this is about. Those of you who were here last week probably do. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of red stew. Afterward, he realized he made a mistake. 
But the part that kept him from really receiving, shall I say, forgiveness or whatever it was, repentance, this is the part I hope that will unlock your heart today. Afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, one of the reasons why he wanted to get things right, because he realized, oh, I blew the whole idea. I gave my blessing away. And he was rejected when he found no place for, he found no place for, for repentance. How can you find no place for repentance? I want to tell you why. Because he sought it with tears. Tears don't prove anything. Repentance does. You can cry a river if you need to. And usually it's like, oh, what I've done is, oh, I was such an idiot, oh, this other type of thing. But you don't realize what you really gave away. And all of a sudden your emotions says, look, no, he's got it and I don't. Really? Is that the whole deal? What was it worth before you gave it away? Because it has the same value now that it's gone. The repentance is, I never should have done that. And I never should have cheapened God's grace in my life to go after that particular thing. That's how you repent. Like, oops, shucky darn, did it again. Rose, clumsy me. But God knows I'm a klutz. Really? Okay. It's only the birth, birthright of our future inheritance will occur if we seek things that will only satisfy us in the moment. That was one thing. Esau forsook his birthright because he allowed the weariness of his flesh to dictate to his spirit. Here's my time to, to confess. I am no fun to be around when I'm hungry. <laughs> my wife's over she's nodding again. Mm. I don't strike people, but I get very quiet and very demure. Look it up in the dictionary if you don't know what it means. <laughs> but the point is, I get to that particular place where there's something needs to be adjusted, and I can't blame it, you know. And then sometimes I says, she walks me and says, baby, you need to eat something right now. So I'm tired of you looking like, you know, like a plucked chicken or whatever. <laughs> Let me go on with this and, and keep, come to a place of reality. Even when we try to recti rectify the situation our own way, it does not work. Our spiritual hunger must be fueled by more than our emotions. And simply put, it's this way. We must make a decision that goes beyond our emotions. And some of you today, before you walk out these doors will need to make a decision that defies your emotions. How do you do that? Sometimes your emotions will be focusing on what will other people think. Really? Do you realize that no one will stand before God for your sins but you? Why are you giving that away to somebody else? When conviction comes to you, it comes to you. You have to respond to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you, not to what you think people, how people are going to respond to your reaction to what the Holy Spirit said to you. If you're on your face in a puddle of tears of real ones, you shouldn't be worried about, oh, I'll just fall apart and everyone will. What they think doesn't matter. We must be willing to let our hunger be only for righteousness. Wow.
Let me help you with worship for a moment. And I want to give you a perspective. Many times we have a hard time in church on Sunday morning. We usually have about half an hour of worship and, and then we go into the word and whatever else. I want to put it to you in a real perspective. If there was a particular event that you wanted to go to, some of you would stand in line for two and three hours. All day. I, I, want, I wanted to be nice, but thank you. <laughs> to get your ticket. And after you get it, you do a victory dance. Is there a problem? Or are we celebrating sometimes the wrong things? Nothing wrong with concerts, nothing wrong with different people that are talented. But I want you to just kind of evaluate what's really important to you and what are you really hungry for. Oh, oh I finally got those things. I've been wanting to see this all my life. Really? Let's move on. I know you're saying, thank you, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. We must learn to seek the bread from heaven to satisfy our hunger. Can I get an amen? amen. John 6, 27. Do not labor for the food which perishes, for the food which endure, but, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal upon him. I know many of you had this before, and so have I. You went to a particular restaurant that had great food and this other type of thing, and that was really fantastic. And you can't wait to the next excuse you'll have to go back. Because you really enjoyed it. Do you feel that way about God? Because you're enjoying his presence. Is it, well, you can do that every day in your home. But, but when you're together with, with a corporate body of Christ, it says, you know what, I can't wait till next Sunday to really enjoy with my brothers and sisters and really praise God together. There's something about the unity of us coming together for God's purpose, which is so important. Come on, applaud. I'm, you're getting it. You're getting it. Praise God. Anything we try to substitute for righteousness, will, fulfillment will not last. The Holy Spirit desires to keep us refreshed with the living water of the Spirit. The Bible says, he who believes in me, as the Spirit has said, now what's it, what the Word of God says, out of his belly. One, one particular version says, out of his innermost being. That's for you people that need something a little, little, little. You know, I like the old verse, out of his belly. You, no question where that's coming from. Shall flow living waters, rivers of waters. I've seen the times when the, the visitation of the Holy Spirit has been so powerful in this place and other places that everybody, even a person that was kind of questioning whether or not there was a God or a Jesus, tears start coming down their face. Or silence is over them saying this. What makes people respond like this? Let me help you with this a little bit further because it's, it's a little bit amazing. Living water flows freely from the heart of a believer that is thirsty for the things of the Spirit. There is no reason you should ever come to this church or any other church that names the name of Jesus and leave thirsty. Matter of fact, how thirsty are you today? Whatever that thirst level is, the Holy Spirit is here to fill you. 
to overflowing. And then we must be aware of the things that will cause spiritual dryness. I want to tell you the thing that would cause you to be spiritually dry and what, what I'll, I'll go with me. I'll, I'll leave you alone. It's when there's things in my life that have, have displaced the spirit of God for me to pursue the things of God. It was yesterday, I, you know, and this is not to give any grace to me, but I, I, was, I was doing some research in the Southern Times and the Holy Spirit just got me going into a particular book of the Bible. It happened to be the book of Judges. And I really wanted to get to chapter 6, and the Lord said, no, start at chapter 1. I want to do chapter, chapter 1. There's a long, a lot of verses between chapter 1 and chapter 6. But you know, I learned more in that hour and a half by listening to the Spirit and it helped me to see things, why we are the way we are. Because Israel would get it right, they'd repent, then they'd get a bad king, and then they'd do something else, and they'd get it right. And, and they'd still, so they'd be in bondage for seven years, then for eight years, then for 20 years, then for 40 years. And this goes on and on and on and on. And finally I get to chapter 6, and I'm not going to tell you because that's where I'm preaching from next. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you one thing. We're going to learn a lot from other people's mistakes. Because if we don't learn from other people's mistakes, we will, we will be among those who are continuing to make them. Amen. The reason why the Bible is there to, is to show us how sometimes we get off track. But we have to, if we thirst for the word of God, God will help us with that. Well, food that perishes consists of the things that we consume for momentary satisfaction. Now, Jesus worked a miracle by feeding 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. That's a wonderful thing to have happen. But you've got to realize why he did it. Would you take your, take your focus off the miracle for a moment? Jesus had compassion for their natural hunger. He preached to them. In one interpretation, it says he preached for them for like three days. I don't know whether it was three days, you know, they were fasting for three days. I really don't know. But the Bible said, but at the end of three days... The people were perishing with hunger. And he says, if we don't give them something to eat, these people, they're not going to last. I want to let you know that Jesus is concerned about the things that you're concerned about. Which goes on to say that Jesus, the miracle worker, does this thing. We find hope in our life in the word of Jesus. And, and so the disciples were, they say, well, he said, where are we going to find food? He's, and you know, what, you know what the disciples said? Send them away! Really? The camp meeting's over. Well, we must be aware of the times that we are seeking satisfaction in people or places rather than in the Lord. Isaiah 58, 11. I want you to tune into this because this is a pivotal point in our message today. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. I don't want you to vote with your hands. I want you to vote with your heart. It's probably even more difficult to do that. Without you voting with your hands, how many would you be willing to admit, remember, don't lift your hand, 
that you're going through a spiritual drought. And somebody say, well, yeah, I am. Here's the next part of it. What are you going to do about it? Some of us will stay in drought for an immeasurable amount of time thinking that all of a sudden some magical thing's going to happen and we're going to get out of it. Well, let's go a little bit further and see what, how this works. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a water garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I want to prophesy over you that are in that dry place that if you are willing and available and will allow the Lord, he wants to bring you out of that dry place to, a, to be a well-watered garden, to be filled with the Spirit of God and to be able to perform all the things he's placed in your heart to do. But you know what you have to admit? You have to admit you're in a dry place. Because it won't get over with by itself. How many of you have been foolish enough to drive with your, with your gas tank on E? <laughs> Confession, put your hand in the air. Don't be. <laughs> Did you think an angel was going to come out the sky? You knew your tank was empty. But you're like, but I can make it. I can make it all, and all of a sudden there you're in a traffic jam and you say, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, 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 oh God, 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 God. you're speaking in tongues and everything. <laughs> all because you made a decision. You passed up that gas station that you know you should have stopped at. Because I'll be late for so and so. You shouldn't have started late in the first place. I'm, that's another story. Different message, different series, just wait. We'll get to that one. But my point is this. God wants you to live your life not running on half full. He wants you to be a well of living water overflowing. Because you know what the overflow is for? For everybody gets around you. You say, man, I just can't believe this. Every time I just feel better, I just feel the presence of God, this other type of thing. Will you stop being so selfish and fill, get filled up to be overflowing on folks? Somebody say amen. I think that's good preaching. Good. Praise God. <laughs> but here's a place, the counterfeit fulfillment of the enemy resides in the things that appeal to your flesh. You ever told yourself you were full and you were empty? Because it didn't last. i got to get to this little story, and I think I'll have enough time to really unpack it for you. Just a few verses you'll find in Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 40 to 42. We must allow the, busy, the business with things to, the, uh, we, excuse me, we must not allow business with things to displace our opportunity to spend time with the Lord. Luke chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. 
That to me is one of the most profound scriptures in the New Testament of Jesus speaking. For some of you that, <clears throat> that are very task-oriented people and like things a certain way and you know, are kind of OCD and that type of thing, which I admit I'm kind of OCD, that, D, that kind of stuff. But here's the deal. There are only a few things that are really necessary to build a relationship with the Lord. And you know what number one is? Spending time with him. Real quickly about the story, Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house and, <clears throat> and they're sitting around the table and Martha's busy, she's getting out all the best silverware if they had silverware or you know, all the best cups or whatever. And she's serving and she's getting the meal together. And Mary's at the feet of Jesus to listen to what Jesus says. Martha says, enough's enough. Jesus, you need to talk to Mary and talk to her right now. That girl hasn't, hasn't picked up a fork, knife, napkin, or anything. And I'm slaving in this kitchen over a hot stove or hot rocks, whatever it was. And she ain't helping me. And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Can I tell you this? Some of the things you're focusing on right now don't really amount to anything. The things you worried about really won't even count in the future. I want to ask you a question. What is the one thing in your life that it's really all about? The one thing. You had to choose one thing. My life is all about this. I know how some of us would work. It's about family. It's about my job. It's about this. It's about that. I want to denuce it down to the very most important thing. It's the time you spend with Jesus. And I'm not quantifying the fact you've got to spend two hours a day, one hour a day, you know, you got to read through the Bible all through the year or through the New Testament once a month for a whole year. When you have spent, and we use the word quality time. So kind of tell me what unquality time looks like. Time is something you don't get back. Once you spend it, it's over. Every one of you have an expiration date and you cannot live one day beyond it. But if you invest your time in Jesus today, it will account for righteousness, not for you, just for you, but for other folks as well. I want to take whatever time you got, invest it wisely. Stop being so frivolous with your time. Martha was just flipped out. She says, I can't believe that low-life sister of mine and left me here with all this kind of stuff. And she's just fussing. And Jesus says, there's one thing. And somehow, you missed it. We must be aware of the things that we give priority in our life rather than the Spirit. We will always find time for the things that are important to us. Psalm 27, 4. This is a good one. One thing I have a desire of the Lord, and that will I seek after. Re matter of fact, I would suggest you memorize the Scripture. It's easy. Psalm 27.4. Write it down, because otherwise you forget. That will I seek after. 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. He said, how in the world, we can't stay here, new song all week long, I'll be broke. I want to let you know you've got a misinterpreted idea of the house of the Lord. You are the house of the Lord. You're a spiritual house being built up by the Lord. He says, how may dwell in the house of the Lord? Well, he may dwell in me, the house of the Lord, all the days of my life, and behold the beauty of the Lord to inquire in his temple. <sighs> Man, that's what God wants to do. Well, what do we, so we must decide the one thing that we deem is most important in our spiritual life. We must search our soul to discover what, we, <clears throat> what would cause us to lose the passion of pursuing the presence of God. By the Lord's grace, you know, I came to, well, Jesus, I didn't find the Lord. He found me. Jesus wasn't lost. I was, okay? Can we, can we get this right? I found Jesus. No, he wasn't lost, baby. You were lost. Okay. Figure it out. So I was nine years old. And that's, that's a long time ago. It's about 64 years ago. I said, really? But that doesn't give me any special points. Because there are people that, that had an encounter with Jesus many years ago, but they haven't moved from that particular place. So what does it mean? We must search our soul to discover what would cause us to lose the passion of pursuing the Lord's presence. I know people that got saved the same time that I did that are no longer walking with Jesus. What happened? They took their focus off Jesus. How about this? We must be willing to pursue a resurrection of, de of a devotional time that perhaps was left by the wayside. Stirring up a hunger for God, 37.4 says, we'll go through that again, it says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. Got to help you with this. What does it mean to delight in the Lord? Move your mind off of presents or things people give you and just realizing, saying you delight off the Lord when you think about all his goodness. Better is one day in your house was one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. These last little principles I'll leave with you and, and I believe that God's going to cement some things. Delight in the Lord is an act of our soul pursuing God with spiritual passion. That means we must deal with our th thought life that can hinder our desire to spend time with the, with the word. <clears throat> Ever have your mind fixed, I'm gonna spend time with Jesus tonight? And all of a sudden you think about this, think about that. Didn't think about it before, but when you made your, your mind to spend time with the word, all of a sudden everything was more important. Things you haven't thought about, oh, I need to clean the garage. If you don't know, that's demonic. I want to tell you that's demonic. It's the devil. Yeah. But we act like, oh, revelation from God. No, it wasn't. It was the devil. We must confess. Uh, 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 we must confess sins that prevent us from desiring to be in the presence of the Lord. I want to give you a key thing to do that will keep you from falling into that trap in the future. 
When you made it, when you said, you know what, I want to spend some time in the Word today, and I want to draw closer to Jesus. That's your resolve. When something else comes in, well, you know, you could do so and so and so and so. You need to speak out, speak it out loud. Hear, hear your mouth say, I am not going to do this until I do that. Say it out loud. Until I feel it, spend time with the Lord, that's going to have to wait. It's the same principle that, that, that Jesus was talking about. We need to choose the right things. Now, encompassed with that, we must remember that no good thing will the Lord withhold from those who he loves. Now, here's the last scripture we have today. We must allow conviction of the Holy Spirit to identify our need for spiritual power. Okay. Ephesians 5.18. You should probably know this one pretty well. Be not drunk with wine. Do not be drunk with wine. Do not be... Well, anyway. Do not be smoking joints. I want to bring it into, you know, into 2020. In which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Oh, boy. He said, Pastor said that. Because I'm smart enough to know that some of you aren't convinced enough. I don't care what kind of the, the intoxicant is. If it takes you away from Jesus, you, you don't need that in your life. Well, that was a weak amen, but that's okay. I'm going to keep preaching. You, you'll get the vision soon. When you are totally filled with the Holy Spirit, there's no room for those things. That means... We must be willing to admit our need for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen today? Because that's what we need. The joy of the Lord becomes the, uh, uh, comes upon those who will give the Holy Spirit unhindered access, access to their spirit. Which means quenching our thirst for the Spirit can be done many times during the day. I'm going to give you how to do this as a worship team comes back up here. The joy of the Spirit is the fullness that we can experience all day long. A little part that I just said to you a few moments ago when I said, I said, say thank you, Jesus. You have no idea how much power there is in just those words, if it's said with the right sincerity of heart. Intercession in the Spirit can take place when we designate time to get, get alone with the Lord. That's true. But the last thing I say, worshiping in the Spirit can continue all day long uh, as we live in a blessed cycle of being hungry and yet being filled by the Holy Spirit with the things that he does. Right now, on every head bowed, every eye closed, because the Holy Spirit is about to do something perhaps you weren't expecting, but I hope that you're open to have occur. I mentioned it a few moments ago, and now I'll revisit it. This whole idea of spiritual dryness. I didn't make you raise your hand then or, or even call you to. But if you're really honest, you're saying, you know, Pastor, I enjoyed the worship to a certain degree today, but there's still something missing inside of me. There's still an emptiness that is unfulfilled. 
And I want to tell you there's two types of people here today that experience that. One is a believer that's not, doesn't give this Holy Spirit full access to their heart. And there's an unbeliever or a person who has, who's walked away from God or who has never given their life to God. And they're saying, you know what? I'm hunger and thirsty, hungry and thirsty for a real relationship with Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment that will cover both of those areas. But before I do, I'm going to rebuke the devil. Because I say in the name of Jesus, I command him to let you go. And not fill your mind with excuses and not be intimidated and not be uh, to, uh, to say, well, see if I can hold out, then they'll dismiss the service and, I'll, and I'll, I'll be able to leave. And you'll leave the same way you came. But if you want to have freedom from the Spirit of God, this prayer is for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, there are people who have lived under the bondage of the devil. And they thought it was just them not being able to make up their mind of what they're going to do, and they said they'll do it someday. But, Lord, it's more important than that. It's spiritual bankruptcy, spiritual starvation. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the devil that has told people that they'll never be worthy enough to give their life over to Jesus. They'll never be holy enough. That today you're calling them, and Lord, there's something inside of them that they want to surrender to you. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, those would say, you know, Pastor, that's me. I'm not going to try to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to myself anymore. I'm thirsty for God. I want him to take over my life. And I don't care what people think anymore. I just want Jesus. If that's you, shoot your hand up in the air right now. Just do it right now in Jesus' name. Shoot it up in the air right now in Jesus' name. Put it up there and leave it there for a moment. Leave it up there for a moment. There are other people, you need to join them right now. Because you may never feel this way. Leave it up there just for a moment. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit just begin to marinate on you right now. Okay, you can put your hand down. We're going to stand and, and sing a song in a moment. And I defy the devil to try to hold you in your place with your price. And well, if I don't go down there, nobody will ever know. Jesus already knows. That. If you're really serious, you won't care what people think. You'll allow God to do what he's going to do. And in the name of Jesus, I cast every evil imagination of the devil that would hold people in bondage another minute. And they would come to God and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Everyone stand to your feet. We're going to sing this song that I think is a powerful song. And those of you to lift your hands, come right now. Come right now. Do not wait a minute. Come right now in Jesus' name. Come right now in Jesus' name. Come right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We pray that you have been blessed by listening to the message. You are welcome to celebrate with us in worship and the word every Sunday at 10 a.m. If you have a prayer need, we welcome you to submit it through our website. We'd love to pray for you. Will you consider supporting us with your prayer and financial gifts. God bless you.